Welcome, one and all, to You Love to See It, a podcast where we watch movies and TV shows and then tell you all about them. This week, uh, we watched Horror Noir, a history of black horror. I'll go into the description and all that good stuff in a minute. But first of all, I am Danielle. I'm the EIC around these parts. And I am joined today by Colin. Hello, I am here because it's horror and that's my jam. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I'm here with Dylan. Hi, hi. Hello. I haven't been on one of these in a while. <laughs> I know. It's been, what, since the uh, that reality show? The this, Circle? Yeah. yeah, I guess. It's been like since we first started. Weird. That's a while ago. Well, welcome mm-hmm. back. Excited to have you here. And we're also here with both a horror fan and you love to see it regular, Merit. Hey, what's up? I feel like when we do a horror movie, we should have to introduce ourselves like, you know, in The Simpsons, the Treehouse of Horror, <laughs> where yeah. they're like spooky james brooks or whatever we need, <laughs> yeah. we need horror we need horror monikers for, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah yeah i i it would be good if we could get like you know like i could be like dangerous danielle or oh boy well, that's not that good <laughs> that's more dangerous. of a fight name than like a horror <laughs> thing mm-hmm. i guess you could be dangerous if like if i'm a dangerous you know, monster or something. Whatever. <laughs> like a uh, yeah. Dylan, Dylan, skin taker, skiffington. Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Oh Danielle shit! Danielle Ripper Riendo. Yes, yes, That's yes, a good yes. One. Oh my god! I could, you could be Merritt Killer K, right? I could. I could. Yeah. Maybe. Or is that like kind of uh, too boring? Because skin takers, great. The killer. Skin taker is good. <laughs> skin taker. The skin takers so. is quite good. <laughs> Colin, murder by night, McGregor. I don't know. Something. Uh, that's good. Murder by, ni- only by night. Only by night. Oh, only by night. Only by day. day. In the, in the day, I'm, day. A pretty res- I'm a pretty respectable person in the day. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person. And, but as soon as that sun goes down, man, I get really stabbed. Look out. Look really out. fast. Watch it. On his way. All those destiny guides. You know, it exactly. just it, it fuels that fire. <laughs> good. Uh, the movie we watched today is a very, very, I think, special one. And it's actually uh, one of the reasons we decided to do it is that uh, Shudder has decided to stream it uh, for free right now. So this is available for anybody to see. It is a, a documentary. Uh, I'll read the description from uh, Shudder right here. Delving into a century of genre films that by turns utilized, caricatured, exploited, sidelined, and finally embraced them. Horror noir traces the untold history of black Americans in Hollywood through their connections to the horror genre. Adapting Robin Means Coleman's uh, seminal book, Horror Noir, will present the living and the dead using new and archival interviews from scholars and creators, the voices uh, who survived the genre's past trends, to those shaping its future. Uh, just to give you some names, because that's that's pretty important here. Uh, there's a lot of awesome creatives who worked on this. It is based, of course, on the book by Robin Means Coleman. Uh, this is directed by Xavier Bergen, uh, with some writing credits and executive producer credits by Ashley Blackwell, Danielle Burrows, and Robin Means Coleman. Uh, so my sort of starter question here that I always like to begin with is uh, how many of the movies discussed in this have you seen and how many are now on your kind of must watch list? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a I long starter question. This movie like every five minutes to <laughs> go to Letterboxd and be like, all right, well, that's on my list now because that looks fucking sick as hell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we've all seen Get Out, right? Because that yeah. was like that was yeah. huge when it came out. And I yeah. wasn't even really into horror when I saw it. Yeah. And so I was very scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, this movie looks cool. Um, and it looks different from 
what I think of as horror and, um, and I really loved it. Um, but yeah, what else? What about some of the, the deeper cuts? Um, I haven't seen Blackula. I haven't seen a lot of the exploitation stuff. Is that something that any of you have uh, seen before? Bits uh, and pieces of Blackula. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Colin. I've seen, uh, I've seen quite a few uh, of the the older black exploitation, like around Blackula's time. I've seen Black Frankenstein. I've seen, uh, I've seen like a few of those. Um, I haven't seen the sequels to Blackula, but uh, Blackula is quite quite good. It's it, it's it's weird because they they bring it up in the documentary, but like compare like co- until Blackula, like Dracula movies were like all these like super effeminate, like yeah. white like pasty white versions of Dracula, and like he's supposed to be this like really seductive person, and like mm-hmm. I feel like until Black Blackula, he's not like actually good looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, when is uh when's Christopher Lee Dracula? When is that? Oh, I the seventies. I the seventies, I think. I'm not. Let me look. See so that was was that post Blackula? Oh, I'll, I'll I'll take a look. While yeah, we I'm we got a oh fifty eight actually. Okay, so Ooh. the Hammer Horror was fifty eight. Yeah. Um, and then then yeah, there were a lot of these other ones. I think he did a later one too. I think he did one in the seventies. Yeah. But. Or maybe that was Frank. Oh, what's his face? But yeah, it, there were there was an occasional hot Dracula, but really it was the and that's the point made uh, in horror noir. Of course, it, this movie goes very very far into the history of black people in horror, and I think it starts very intelligently with Birth of a Nation, which is a horror movie. It's just that it wasn't intended to be one because it was made by D.W. Griffiths, like a mm-hmm. wild racist. And that movie is genuinely about how the KKK saves the day. Like, that is that movie. Yeah. And it is something you learn about in film school um, just because it was, like, one of the first sort of full-length narrative films uh, that, that used a lot of innovative techniques, blah, blah, blah. But it was it was horseshit in terms of its content. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird I think it's you, right to start there, for sure. It's weird because you hear that name a lot, even as someone who doesn't watch a lot of movies. Sure. But until you sit down and look it up and you realize what it was about and what actually was like in the movie, you're like, oh, like, yeah, you would have no idea. Like just by the name of it, you're like Birth of a Nation. Oh, all right. That's that's, you know, some big historical movie. And then you look it up and it's not like something you at all want to watch, like ever really. Yeah, exactly. And and you are f- sort of forced to watch at least parts of it in film school. Like for at least I was and that's in the early 2000s basically. It's like such you a still deeply have to. uncomfortable movie. It's such a deeply uncomfortable movie to uh, watch yeah. even now. Like as as shitty and awful as the production values are, like it, it's such a it's such a it's not even like subtle in in the way it kind of depicts race and the fact that it got all the way to the president to Woodrow Wilson and he called it, I think, like the the first modern blockbuster or some something along those lines. Yeah. Like, absolutely blows my mind that it, it's it, it got so much praise. I mean, it's not as surprising back in the time it got so much praise, but like that it's 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 had such a lasting effect, and that it got that far, and it's been so not just impactful but deeply hurtful for the portrayal yeah. of of black characters throughout film and not just horror. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's like a, such a good kind of starting place. It's also like a, a starting place for a lot of modern film, which is really instructive. Like modern film, 
racist, right? Like uh, it started with a racist movie, kind of a one-to-one sort of thing there. Uh, it goes deep into movies in the, uh, believe maybe some of the 20s. Well, I mean, obviously, Birth of a Nation is in the 20s. And then we go into the 30s and 40s and like really some some early filmmakers uh, and just how often black folks were just depicted as servants, basically, or as very secondary characters or very, you know, just sort of never the hero, never the star, never anything that was like, you know, uh, folks could actually look into much. Uh, and there was, of course, uh, a film. I think we're, we're talking here about uh, Son of Ingagi. Son of Ingagi, uh, yeah, yes, 1940. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so that's 1940. So we're not even talking 30s here. We talked. They talk a bit about some of the just really racist tropes in the 30s, and then we go to Son of Ingagi, who uh, that movie was uh, really sort of seminal uh, that they talk about because it was a black filmmaker who you know wasn't working with a lot of resources, but actually had some awesome things. Like it was there's a black woman scientist in this movie. There were scenes of like you know black folks after a marriage, like just yep. like normal scenes that showed people as being like just normal smart people which was at the time in 1940 for hollywood unheard of basically go ahead colin i was gonna say it's it really is interesting to kind of it's both on depressingly unsurprising but still interesting to, to kind of look back and see that the just how overlooked like it's always it, it seemed like that a lot of the trends because i i my movie knowledge for horror is a lot more like 60s onward. Sure. I, I haven't watched a ton of like super, super old ones, but it, it always, it, it's always a, the trend that I saw is like whenever there's a black filmmaker uh, or a black writer or someone involved in the actual production of the film uh, outside of just like casting the, the black actors, like the movie is almost universally better than sure. any of like the, the counterparts it has in the, in the same either genre or the same like, uh, kind of like uh, chronology of the films because uh, Son of Inagi is not the, it was a sequel to Inagi, which yeah. came out in the thirties and Son of Inagi is just better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in so many ways and in, in the way it's, it's sort of uh, uh, talked about. And uh, I'm moving really quickly through this because I also definitely want to discuss some of the later stuff a little bit more in depth. Um, so there's a discussion here about how the fifties and sixties, there isn't much going on for black folks on screen in, in horror. There's a lot of uh, monsters being caricature, uh Sorry, character. God, my words. Characterized uh, as monsters, like like othered. Like there's a lot of sort of imagery. They talk about the creature from Black Lagoon. They talk about a lot of just like monsters in the kind of space age or like space atomic age uh, types of films. And we start to move into a section that I think was one of the most interesting for me uh, as somebody who has, you know, some exposure to a lot of black exploitation, but not not necessarily like a ton. It's not like I've watched, you know, everything in this catalog, but at least I was a little bit more familiar uh, with some of the films in the black exploitation era, which they go into a lot. Uh, we briefly mentioned Blackula because that's definitely something I need to go back and actually watch the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I want to, sorry, I'm talking too much here. I want to kind of open it up to, uh, talking a little bit more about this sort of, uh, movies they talk about in the black exploitation era here. Yeah. So, I mean, they talk about AIP, right. As yeah. being this, uh, this film production house that is basically just like not trying to 
uh, you know, break any boundaries or yeah. like do anything innovative. They're just like, we want to do like what um, is going to like make us money. Yeah. Uh, and then the interesting thing about that is I feel like this is always true, like throughout history where, you know, someone is producing like not great content or whatever, or like, you know, just churning stuff out and like making stuff that is like kind of shitty in a lot of ways. But then people always find ways to like do interesting things within that. Yeah. So right. um, like, like Blackula, like that was made within that context of black exploitation, yeah. which is like black films that were being exploited by white producers and directors. Yeah. Uh, but then there are always these cases where people are able to like get resources within that system and like make something actually really great. Yeah. Um, and I actually, this isn't a horror film, but it's sort of about that period. Yeah. I, uh, I watched uh, Dolomite is my name last year, which was like one of the best movies I saw last year. Nice. And like the fact that Eddie Murphy didn't get an Oscar for that movie is like insane to me. Yeah. Um, but it's like all about that period. Right. And it's like all about, um, like a black filmmaking team trying to get a movie made and trying to like sell it to uh, distributors and trying to like work with, um, I don't know if it's like specifically AIP or just like a similar kind of company. Um, but a lot of people are just like, yeah, we don't want to take a chance on this because like, this isn't like the formula that we churn things out in. And so they have to end up doing it like on their own yeah. and it becomes this like huge deal. But uh yeah, and then sort of like you you see these like beginnings there. I thought it was really cool to like I love Keith David. He's oh, like yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> actors. Yeah. And to have him there talking about how like when he was like, Oh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be the first black Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then he saw and then he saw Blackula and was just like, Oh damn <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you saw William Marshall and he's just like, Oh, all right, I love him. Like, it was like a really cool kind of moment for him. That was that was really awesome. And on the mm -hmm. first Blackula, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, footage as well interviewing William Crane, uh, who was the director mm, yeah. on Blackula, who got a lot of heat kind of from the studio for doing these somewhat more interesting things. He gives a really great story here um, about how his AD, who I, I believe ev almost everybody else in the production was white, and his AD... Yeah. Uh, there was a club scene and he put like all the like, you know, uh, they, he paired up like men and women, like uh, like black folks together and white folks together. And he's like, no, you got to you got to mix it up. That's what we're doing here. That's what this vision is. Like, we're not making that kind of movie. We're not doing that kind of shit in this movie. And he got a lot of shit and he actually had to like fight really hard to get a, um, a high speed camera for a slow right, motion that, shot. That one shot, which is like really good. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's, there's a really incredible, iconic, like eerily beautiful and creepy and awesome shot of a, a vampire like going to attack this guy like this, like running towards the camera. Yeah, so so good, so yeah. so good. It's really good um, shit. Yeah. Have had you seen? So I'm looking at some of the movies that came yeah. up uh, in that discussion in the film. Uh, have you seen Sugar Hill? Because I have not. That sounds really yeah. interesting to me. Sugar Hill. And uh, Ganja and Hess are two movies from that era that I sort of like marked down as like, oh, I got to watch I'm, these. Yes. I'm, I'm so interested in seeing Ganja and Hess now. Yes. After hearing the story, how uh, how it was really revered in Europe when it first came out and then when it came to the U.S., how much they altered it and tried yep. to make it a lot more traditional, a lot more black exploitation, kind of fit it 
in that very kind of narrow margin that a lot of just general horror movies were in and how the only like copy of like the original version was uh it was at the moma i think yeah yeah Yeah. it was at the moma it it was it it was it it blew my mind that it goes through it went through that much of a a transformation and gotcha has is not a a black exploitation movie by any means it's it's a lot more slow. It's a lot more subtle in the way it kind of plays everything. It feels a lot more, uh, I don't want to say art, uh, artistic, but it feels a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, art uh, cinema is, is, is yeah, useful. Yeah, like, art yeah. cinema it's is, not saying is probably not the, artistic. But I like think in people that, were yeah. suggesting in yeah. the film that like that's one of the reasons why it didn't do well in the yeah. States because it was basically like ahead of its time and it like wasn't what people were looking for. Yeah. But if you watch it now, it's like, oh my God. Which this is like a which really is, great movie. Which yeah. is really funny because like 10 years later, your shit like Possession is coming out, which is yeah. like <laughs> equally as weird and equally yes. as dreamy and equally as out there. Uh, I feel like Gangen Hess is one of those ahead of its time films in that if it was maybe released 10 more years after the time, after uh, than it was initially because it was out in 73. 73, yeah. It would have, it would have, Maybe the full cut would have survived uh, moving over or the localization over, but I really, I really want to see Ganja Ness now. <laughs> like that, that, that out of all the movies uh, that they talked about jumped to like the top of my list. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely one of the most exciting ones for me. And so, speaking of movies around that period that that aren't really in the black exploitation genre, I've never seen Night of the Living Dead. <gasps> really? I know, so good. I know. I don't like zombie movies, mm. basically, sure. but I feel sure. like I need to see the Romero ones because they're so beloved. And I didn't know, like, because I, I didn't know anything about the Romero movies. And sure. so they talk about how in this one, you know, um, Dwayne Jones plays the uh, the hero. Yeah. And there's that line where he's just like, like if you want to like stay alive, like I'm in charge up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, how he's like the hero, and I was like, oh, I had no idea about this because like I've never seen any of these zombie movies. But like, wow, that's like uh, wild. That yeah, Night Night of Living Dead was a big film I studied in, in college. Yeah. Uh, it, it not only uh, was groundbreaking for having a lead actor, but. Uh, a lead actor who was black and handsome and very, very confident and not kind of characterized. Yeah. Um, not a Living Dead also was the first movie to kind of give us the Western zombie in terms of its mm. its, its kind of layout. Because before that, uh, most zombies were either like mummies. Yeah. Or uh, they were voodoo, uh, yeah. which they yeah. also There's talk about in this. There's a voodoo uh, yeah, yeah, how, layer. Yeah. Uh, the voodoo was another uh, big one uh, that, that a lot of zombies were in, but this was like the first like the the zombies as we know them now. This was right. like the progenitor of that, and and it, it was really interesting. Uh, it's always interesting to me that he he didn't write it uh, with a black actor in mind, but by casting uh, the black actor um, uh, Duncan uh, Dwayne Jones, he. Elevates it elevates the movie so much in terms of its theming, in terms of the, how just gut wrenching the ending is. Yeah. So I feel if you swap him out for just any any white actor at the time, it would not nearly have the impact. Oh yeah. Or the the kind of weight it has, and just the the way it kind of plays out the the horror and the the scenes with the regular white people. Yeah, that's yeah. I, th- that's I think very that's one of the. the go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I think that's one of like the best things about. Uh, the movie in general, especially for 
Because like if you if you ask me about like '90s or maybe even late '80s movies, like I could I could tell you some somewhat about them. Um, but it gives such important context for like when this shit was happening. Because like I can go back and watch Night of the Living Dead, but unless I know like exactly when it came out, uh, half the stuff that's in it doesn't mean as much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you talked about Blackula and how they were putting interracial uh, relationships in into the yeah. movie. Um, and again, that was only like five years after the Loving decision. So at that point, that was easily scandalous for Hollywood to be doing. Because even if it was accepted legally, like it wasn't accepted socially, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having. Uh, having something chronicle, you know, the, the timeline of these things like helps set the movies apart and gives you context for when you actually go and watch them as someone who hasn't watched basically anything from black exploitation. Sure. So definitely, sure. I, I definitely look forward to like going back and, and seeing how, uh, how, how different they feel. Cause if you go back without that context, they're just bad movies because well, bad <laughs> in the sense that they're not comparison to today's movies, you know, uh, <laughs> They just have like such a low production values to, compared to mo- uh, modern movies. But when you give it that uh, historical context, they mean a lot more. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would push back a little on on the use of bad because I, I do think there's probably some stuff here that holds up pretty well. But yeah, I mean, it's a point well taken. And I, I agree with you completely about how well this documentary gives context a lot in this section about black exploitation era and also, you know, Night of the Living Dead specifically is framed against what else was going on in the country in 1968, um, especially race riots, especially protests, especially police brutality. That I, you know, watching it now, like watching horror noir this week again after watching it in I think maybe February. You know, I watched it a couple of months ago and and loved it. Um, it is especially kind of telling and especially kind of um, you know hitting a, a particular way. And it's also just. One of the best things about this documentary is how well it contextualizes everything, how well it fits and slots every one of mm-hmm. these movies into the cultural era in which it was produced, uh, which is great. And it's really useful context and not easy to do, especially given how much ground we cover here. Like we go all the way through film history. Like this, we're right. this starting this at the beginning, just, you know, it could have been <laughs> twice as long. Yeah. Like I feel I, like this should have been a TV series that, that yeah. just goes through the different eras. Well, there it, is. It, there's a podcast uh, about this too, right? Or based on this too, right? I think. So this is based on a book and I do think there is some extra content. I think Shudder uh, did like a podcast. Yeah. It. Like I saw that when I was going to watch it. But For sure. Yeah. It's only like 80 minutes and uh, yeah, it was just like, cause there's so much we're going through like, like almost like, you know, seven decades, like more than that. And it's like, damn, this could have been longer. I would have liked to see like more interviews and like more, yeah, like just dig down even deeper. Maybe they'll be a follow up or something. Could, I could yeah. honestly listen to Keith David talk about the history of uh, black films forever. Just if he if, if they just yeah. let him talk about the entire thing, <laughs> I would listen to it. <laughs> there is an episode with him and Ken Foray. Uh, so it's a six part. It looks like a six part uh, podcast series uh, that are conversations between. It's it looks like it's it's between a lot of the folks that were, you know, framed in their own interviews in the movie. So it's Ken Foray who's sitting with Keith David uh, in the shots in the movie, of course, which is, you know, I think it, they did an extended version of that uh, for the podcast, mm-hmm. which is cool. But yeah, my genuinely my only criticism, which isn't a criticism, is that like 
I, I, I could watch a 45 ep- hour long episode series on this, like um, an hour on each film and the cultural context in which it's produced and everything. And um, maybe they wouldn't have enough material for every single film uh, just by nature of obviously some of the folks who probably produced the movies from the 30s and 40s might not be with us anymore. Right. Like that's just a uh, that's mm-hmm. how far back we're going here. But I, I would be happy to watch uh, so, so, so much more. Um and and just get so much further into it. I do want to talk a little bit uh, about how Pam Greer shows up in this in, in some really wonderful ways. I've always loved Pam Greer. Uh, she mm-hmm. was a uh, a black exploitation star uh, who also kind of had a, a an interesting career afterwards as well. Uh, and just a pretty awesome person, a very like sort of a kick ass kind of person. And she's the star of Scream Blackula Scream, uh, which gets a lot to do here for being, uh, you know, she's the star and she is has agency and she is using voodoo, uh, which is, again, another kind of thread throughout a lot of these movies, like for good. She's not using it for revenge or, or anything. She's using it to, like, try to help with the curse. Uh, so it's it's a lot of, like, fun things that are going on in here. Uh, and and yeah, it's she's awesome. I just want to give her a little bit of a shout out uh, in this. Gosh, uh, she's great. Uh, really, really cool person. Uh, we move into some of the 80s films, which talk about white flight to a degree. They talk about suburban uh, sort of horror to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have one of the actresses who was in The Craft, who gives a lot of really great interviews, not only about the earlier movies, but also about how her character changed when she got the role in The Craft and how mm-hmm. yeah, they Rachel made True, race right? more of an element. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Rachel True. Yeah, Rachel True, exactly. And like how... How much uh, she at the time was like, oh, no, I, I it was supposed to be like a, a, the character who was more focused on like dealing with eating disorders and, and some other stuff and how it ended up being, again, like like a way of using witchcraft and uh, and, and race. Like we talk a lot about voodoo in this movie uh, and there's also a movie called Abby that comes up in the black exploitation oh, part. Boy. I really want to watch Abby, uh, which is about a woman who's taken over by a sex demon. Uh, a lot of the interviewees in this section are kind of laughing about it because they're like, this isn't exactly great representation, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun in a way. And it's and it's also like playing with tropes in some ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the sort of overall view on black exploitation as an era was like mixed marks. You know, there's some really cool stuff in there. And then there's some like uh, kind of, you know, stereotypical stuff in there. Uh, as well and then we then we get to the slasher genre yep. which is obviously the 80s uh, yeah. which which is a lot of and they, and I'm glad they bring it up because it uh, but it is true but the it's a lot of proponents that black actors were it's a trope that black actors are typically the people that are killed first yep um well that is certainly true for a lot of horror movies especially uh Especially sequels, or with the exception of, I think, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, where the black character lives, and is then literally killed 30 seconds into the movie. Yep. Into the sequel with him in it. Uh, yeah. uh, it's interesting that they, they bring it up, because it's a lot less um, that the black characters are killed first, but that they're always killed like either unceremoniously, or they're killed protecting the, the yeah. white actor. They never kind of get to just defend themselves to defend themselves. And it's always, 
it's it's always it's always been a problem with the slasher genre to the point where like obviously movies like Scream and other film and a scary movie are making fun of the fact that this is this is probably the most I would argue known trope about black uh, actors in horror just in yeah. general is is their characters get killed first and uh, it's depressingly to has does have some truth to it yeah yeah absolutely it, they go far into that troop and there's also like I, I don't think this is actually in horror nor but i can never forget the the like the, the areas where scary movie did a good job in in this sort of racial coding and like the the point where oh the the police phone says white woman in trouble and they're just there immediately <laughs> Kind of thing, like those those <laughs> kinds of jokes that actually are good. Like not not all the jokes in those movies are great, <laughs> not all of them land. But like things like that that were like, yeah, that that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a moment here as we're talking about like late seventies, early eighties that again, I I would love an entire episode on on these aspects. But just because sci fi horror is is my favorite thing, I I mm-hmm. super wanted more uh, more time on Alien basically because mm-hmm. uh, Parker yeah. the character Parker they do mention it like to their credit and, and I don't think this is like oh th- why didn't they spend an hour on Alien well because it's not just the Alien show of course but like they yeah. could spend an hour on Alien because Parker uh, Yafet Koto I believe uh, is the actor who plays him does survive uh, almost until the end I think he's like the second to last uh, person uh, and he doesn't die by any mistake of his own he only dies because there's another character who kind of like freezes with fear basically and like I don't I don't blame her either it's a bad situation but it is very much like yeah in that movie as well like he he, he makes it very far he's a very good character an interesting character he's kind of the dude who gets a lot of shit done I believe he's an engineer in the movie and just like a mm-hmm. like no bullshit kind of dude and then there's also a black dude who is yeah. in the alien costume. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, so there's like an interesting interplay there where there is a, a sort of a black hero character who makes it very, very far. And then like the monster is also portrayed by a black actor. So like, again, I feel mm-hmm. like you could do, you could do a mini series on just alien and, and like the aspects of that. And Oh, for likewise. sure. Yeah. Alien, yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, in addition to like the psychosexual stuff, like, yeah. The alien is, like, black, right? Like, it's not, you know, black in terms of, like, humanity, but it's, right, like... Right, 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 It's colored, like, it's this, you know, threatening, like, alien, like, pitch black creature. Yeah. And it's framed as, like, um, as, like, kind of like a rapist. And there's, Very there's much like, so. a yeah. lot going on there. Yes, yes. Like, a lot. And a lot of people have talked about that. And, yeah, yeah. again, it's, like there are whole podcasts on alien about like the fears that that movie is all about. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's the, the thing is another exactly. big sci-fi horror mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. uh, where a black actor kind of makes it to the end. And that yeah. one uh, is, is interesting, is, is interesting to me because that one is a movie very much coded about trust and paranoia. Yes. And, and to have a black actor, uh, a black character make it to an end of a movie that is rooted in those kind of themes has always been really interesting to me, especially uh, when when you when you see how kind of like the thing once you kind of get the general idea of how the thing works and you can't trust anybody. Like I almost like the first time I saw it, I almost immediately wrote off uh both of the black actors as like okay well they're gonna die right because of horror tropes yeah yeah, because they can't help themselves in these movies and it's really refreshing that he makes to the end which i think only really kind of like works uh it helps build the paranoia even more 
because you you then kind of you know if he could survive, you, 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 as awful as it is, it's one of those things just in horror, especially in the eighties, where it's like, well, if the black actor survives, and like he could be the alien, or like who else is gonna like kind of make it, and it's it's really interesting and i'm really kind of i would love to uh, it's like with you guys with alien i would love to just spend an hour just wondering uh if john carpenter kind of cast uh i believe it's it keith was, david. Yeah, it was keith, keith david, david yeah. in, in mind for the role or kind of uh, had a black actor in mind for the role or it was just one of those like he was the best for the job i'm really i've always i think that's like one of the most interesting uh, of the 80s in terms of like black actors in horror movies because yeah. like the rest I mean, there are a lot of them, a lot of those actors who show up in slasher moves, movies don't really go on to have like super fulfilling careers. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, it's like child stars. A lot of the time you go into one of these slasher movies and you do the role and you, you get typecast so many times and then you just kind of die out when the genre dies. Yeah, it's and that speaks again directly to, to like what roles were available for black folks at this time. Like the fact yeah. that there aren't that many of these movies that we can talk about where, oh, yeah, it's cool that, you know, some black characters survive to the end or are very heroic in these contexts like that. That speaks directly to that racism it, yeah. directly to like what's going on in Hollywood at the time. And like also with the thing, I it's fucking awesome that Keith David survives. It is also like there's a lot of kind of racist shit that happens in that movie. Like people yeah. don't trust him because he's black, not because they think he's the thing. There's that yeah. whole scene with McCready who like takes the gun from him and he's like, I think this should go to somebody more even tempered, which is like, think mm-hmm. about that. And it's like, oh, fuck. What does that mean, dude? You know, like right. McCready's not even tempered. He fucking throws his ice and whiskey into the computer when it wins against him. Like, it's like, no, that's a normal, that's a normal white yeah, right? thing to do. Like, we just, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's very, it's interesting on that aspect too. That's, I guess why it also becomes such a parallel for me with alien where it's like, okay, you've got some, some things you could construe as like being progressive or interesting. And you've got some things that are like, oh boy, what is this imagery doing? So yeah, it's really I, again. I like, don't think I knew that the thing was, Keith David's first film credit. So yeah, he was no. actually in a film before the thing yeah. called Disco Godfather, but he wasn't like, he was just like, I think a, um, an extra, an extra basically. Uh, yeah. And, uh, this, <laughs> this is just like a fun piece of trivia. The same year that he was in the thing, he was on Mr. Rogers. Oh my oh God. God. <laughs> he was on Mr. Rogers for like a few years. Um, oh, that's wow. awesome. Yeah. He was Keith the handyman. I did not know that. Great. I have to go look that up after this. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also played the Black Panther in uh, the Fantastic Four uh, cartoon from the 90s. Oh, shit. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's done. He's been fucking everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. He's done. Yeah. His career is just like incredible. Like, doesn't he play himself in Saints Row? He does. The fourth. Yeah. He yeah. does. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very good. He's, he's the vice president. <laughs> he is. It's, it's very, very good. And he's he's so good here. I just have to say he's so fun to watch in horror noir. I think uh, it's just like I, I could watch, again, a 10 part series with just him mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, talking about all this. Yeah. Stuff, you know, he's spawn in uh, in Mortal Kombat because he played spawn in the uh, the 90s uh, HBO animated series oh my god yeah um oh, awesome. but yeah no he him and ken furry are like just having like such a good time just riffing. <laughs> like there's the part in the credits where they're just like singing the monster mash oh it's um, so good 
Yeah. But um Yeah, yeah. Where were up. we before we started talking about how much we love Keith David? Of course, um, of course. Yeah. So yeah, like there's I think then they get they start getting into like some of like the tropes, right? Of yeah. like um characters who are set up to be sacrificed or yeah. who are like uh the like magical Negro, like there's that great Key and Peel sketch yes. about that trope. Yes. Uh, which, if you haven't seen, I would definitely go look up because it's like very, like like a lot of their sketches, like perfectly explains the concept, but is like incredibly funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they talk about how Scatman Crothers' character in The Shining yes. doesn't die in the book. But, no, does not. Right. But then <laughs> yeah, in the movie, he just gets axed. And it's like, well, if he has the shining, like, why wouldn't he see that? Right. Axe coming? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Which, which, which feels like one of those things. Uh, it's an oversight considering the, the absolute, like, hell that Stanley Kubrick put his cast through and, like, the meticulous right? nature of the shining. It's kind of surprising he'd overthink, he'd over, like, because he's somebody who overthinks like a lot of the plot and in and, and, and a good way and a bad way where it's a lot of like he he kind of like tries to clear up any plot holes or ambiguity in a lot of his stuff. But oh, oh man, that that's always been like somebody who really loves the Shining book. Like that's always been yeah. like a big problem with me is that he just gets immediately murdered and then they have to deal with that for the, the sequel of Dr. Sleep where he's just like a ghost. Yeah, it's, and he's just he's just chilling now. He's not he can't be like an actual character. Yeah, it's just it's just like Hollywood racist bullshit of like, oh, well, he had to die. So it's more scary for the white lady and the white boy. Like, it's like right? it wasn't scary enough. Like abuse isn't scary enough. Y'all come on. It's, like everybody knows Jack is dangerous. Like yeah. that's not like a new we don't need confirmation of him murdering. Yeah. Uh someone to to get that the idea that he's dangerous he's like the entire like first half of the movie is explaining how dangerous jack is right and the book it's just like all right come on but like that is also something they discuss of like in the 80s and moving into the 90s a bit the whole idea of like that it's like you know truism at this point that oh the black character dies first uh they start playing with that but also there's like this this other trope of like well, the black character doesn't necessarily die first. If it's a black man, then like often he will die in a way to like illustrate like how bad this monster is. Right. Like, right. oh, yeah. if, it, if it can kill like this guy, like we're we're using this this guy, this character as just like a stock a figure. Test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <of> like, <laughs> yeah. This big tough guy. Oh, if it can kill him, if Jason can kill him, then like ev we're all really fucked, um, which is also like really weird. Yeah. Uh, like almost equally as as weird as like the just oh black characters die first. Yep. Yeah, it's it's gross and it it's just another kind of stereotype uh, that kind of goes in there. And speaking of stereotypes, uh, there's a lot of attention paid here as we move into the early '90s to Candyman mm -hmm. uh, and Tony mm -hmm. Todd and his incredible Love performance. And, and I what haven't a seen it, and I need to because Jordan oh, yeah. Peele is remaking it. That's right. Yes. And uh, it's gonna be so good. Is, Candyman's probably like one of my top ten favorite horror movies. It's wow. such a good oh, movie. It's so scary. It like really Tony is. Todd is so terrifying in Candyman. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I, I think that was one of those scary. movies that I heard about as a kid when I didn't like horror movies that sounded sure. so fucking scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like any of those urban urban legend movies. Yeah. I was just like yeah. so scared that they were real, you know? Totally. Because it's not like happening in a haunted house. Right. It's thing, not right? like, oh, a ghost yeah. or something. It's just like this. Well, it is kind of a ghost, but like it could just like be anywhere and you can you can really summon it by like saying these words right so easy yeah 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 (laughs) just just bring him in he he has like such such like stage presence like the the, anytime he is on that screen i am just like oh fuck 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 like just the entire time (laughs) i'm just like you know freaking out when i watch that movie and i I know they they do you know punch some holes in it like the fact that uh he's essentially uh terrorizing a uh low-income black uh apartment complex when you know the white people live across the street right across the street and yeah he, he, exactly. he would realistically probably be going after them instead but like even with yeah. that 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 film is terrifying and i remember the first time i watched that i was just not ready for the bees the bees oh yeah oh my god it was <laughs> it's not it's a lot <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot uh, there's a lot of good stuff here with like you know, again, like contending some of the good and the bad aspects here of like what an what an amazing, amazing performer Tony Todd is, uh, and, and like there being at least some some weight to you know showing uh, like how awful uh, like the the entire idea of, of being racist against uh, uh, like mixed race marriages was and, and things like that, and like showing some some of the pain, but also like kind of exploiting some of the pain and then that aspect of of course like why why the fuck is he going after like the uh you know the poorer neighborhood like what the fuck like come on uh this is probably written by i I think the way they say it is like okay you can definitely tell there was like white filmmakers here because like there's just a lot of kind of obvious things that are missed in some ways but also also tony todd so there's there's a lot of that which feels very much like the god almost like an encapsulation of, of looking at horror like Horror noir's encapsulation of looking at black horror and the ways in which there's a lot of steps forward, a lot of steps back. There's a lot of just movement around and there's a lot of sort of cultural stuff going on as well. They certainly go into like what, you know, filmmaking, what was happening in the country in the 90s and early 90s. And the uh, there's some footage of uh, the L.A. riots, the Rodney King uh, demonstrations uh, happening there as well. And which is also, again, a, a lot to watch right now. Uh, and we do go into uh, one of my favorite parts of this, kind of as we go a little bit later on, uh, in, in some of the the anthology movies that have like the you know the the several small scenes and what's going on with that, and and more black filmmakers actually getting uh, directing jobs a little bit, even if it's in these these types of movies that are like anthologies. I really loved. The uh, the moment where I I don't have the director's name in front of me, so I need to like pull that up for sure. Uh, but when he talks about how uh, you know he saw his own movie uh, basically, uh, and there were a bunch of teens who were like laughing at parts of it, and then they saw like basically an image of abuse and like went dead silent. And it mm-hmm. was it was one of those moments of like just just understanding the power of horror to do that to like. Oh, uh, are you talking about Tales from the Hood? Yeah, yeah, it's Tales yeah. from the Hood, but I, I just... Who is the director? I want to make sure I get his name. Uh, that was... What's his name? Because um, he's awesome in this, and I want to make sure I get it. Sorry for the gap in the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rusty... Uh, Rusty 
Kundef, I think. Uh, yeah, just yes. just an awesome story about like showing something like very real and very tough and very like. Mm. That yeah, just no. gets me as like a horror fan yeah. of of why I like horror and why that's like all of Tales from the Hood like that. Yeah, that movie, those four different movies are all terrifying because of like how real they are. Like they're they're, they're yeah. like far more grounded and just like disturbing on yeah. such a different level from a lot of the other movies that came out. Because I, I, I don't remember when I saw Tales from the Hood. I think it was it was sometime in the last decade. Sure. But I had actually forgotten that I had watched that movie. And then they started playing clips and I was like, oh, fuck, I remember this and I remember this yeah. and I remember that. And that is that movie is hard to watch, like yeah. from start to finish. And it, it's it's so good, but it's also just the worst at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's talking about some really difficult things, like some really ugly stuff. Right? Like that, so that, that abuse scene, which they, they highlight a lot, goes on yeah. forever in that movie. Yeah. Like the entire time you're just sitting there like, all right, it's going to end now. Surely it's going to end now. No, 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 it's, it's still not. ending. Yeah. It's, it's never going to end. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It, it sure is a lot. Um, we definitely move into a little bit more of modern territory. Also, it's something I just watched uh, by highlighting just a little bit of Attack of the Block, uh, which is like a pre Star Wars John Boyega uh, really yes. fun movie about South London teens who have to like fend off this weird alien invasion and what a hero he is, but also how how that movie, which is much more modern, that's like a 2011 uh, movie, mm -hmm. um, goes into yeah, he does all this stuff. He is the hero on the block, but he he's still arrested by the the white cops who like have no idea. You know, they just see him as one particular thing. They don't understand what a hero he is, but he can hear his own, like, the block itself, like, cheering for him and being like, you saved the world, dude. <laughs> uh, what a, what a like, bittersweet ending that is. And what a actually really cool and wildly watchable uh, movie that that is. We watched that last week, actually, for you love to see mm -hmm. it. God, I didn't have time, and I, <laughs> I still need to watch it now. <laughs> yeah. I only watched, like, the first, like, I only had time to watch like the first 10 minutes. Then I realized I wasn't going to make the podcast. Sure, sure. But uh, I didn't realize how aggressively English that movie was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Everyone is using like all of, all of the England people are using English terms and <laughs> slang and stuff. And I was just like, I need to turn on subtitles because yeah. like I, I don't under English people just, yeah. you know. Their slang is so much better than ours. It is. It's, be it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a weird movie for me uh, uh, because it, I, I believe I was in college at the time. And sure, sure. I just came home for like the first time in like six months to visit my parents. And um, that happened to be the movie they were going to watch. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not home very often. I'll just sit down and watch this movie with them. And I was not prepared at all for what that movie was like. Sure. <laughs> you go into that like expecting one thing and it like assuming you have no knowledge of the film, but like that movie is like just so fantastic in yeah. how it twists with your like your expectations and yeah. you know the, the message it sends, obviously you guys just touched upon that. And it wasn't until like Star Wars came out and everyone's like, you know, John Boyega, John Boyega was like, Where do I know that name from? <laughs> and then you look back yeah. and see, see that I saw him like five or six years ago in this random movie that I, you know, 
that was really good, but I had like no fucking clue what it what, what it was going to be. And I'm, I'm I agree. I, I like I'm glad that you guys did an episode on it because I, I do think more people need to see that that film. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. Uh, and we as we move kind of into the modern era, we go really deep into Get Out, uh, which I think is yep. a good choice here <laughs> for sure. Um, I wrote yeah. this in the notes, but I'm like, I'm open to, uh, you know, uh, obviously hearing other thoughts here, but I think it's great that we kind of spend a lot of time on Get Out here and spend a lot of time on so many of the bits and pieces of it and not just, you know, the plot itself or or kind of uh, just, you know, uh, other things about the movie, but just how much Get Out itself encapsulates so much of Black horror and Black folks in horror and how many pieces of that movie are so intentionally produced and so like intricately put together to have multiple messages in like every scene basically they go into the aspect of just even even tiny visual things like the character literally daniel kaluuya's character literally picking like a a plant that looks like cotton out of the uh the chair when he's like subdued and, and things like that like just every image in it and how many uh really really good interviews go in on this it's obviously yeah, like, like a centerpiece. The, the buck, uh, the buck head or like mount yep. or whatever it's called that he yep. kills the dad with. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so many parts of that, and of course, that's a movie that um, I think introduced some people to horror. To be honest, um, yeah, and, it was and definitely one of my first ones. Yeah. 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 Totally. It was, I think, the first horror movie that I voluntarily saw in a theater. <laughs> 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 I think I was maybe dragged to them as a kid by my friends sometimes, or like. Yeah you know, saw them with other people um, on VHS. But that was the first one that I actually went to because it just seemed like different. And I think, yeah, it's like important. Um, Someone, one of the commentators says like near the end, like, oh yeah, we're getting into these movies now that like, like Get Out is like for uh, black audiences. And like, if, if white audiences enjoy them, then like, that's, that's great. But like, that's not, you know, that's, a bonus basically yeah of course um yeah. and but yeah i was just like oh wow horror can be this yeah like <laughs> this it's not just like this formulaic thing that like oh someone gets stabbed and there's like a jump scare and stuff but it can it can be like all these things that of course horror is but i just had no idea yeah. and um so for me it, it was like my first it was like my introduction to the genre um, which of course then makes a lot of other things sometimes kind of disappointing when they don't do, sure. <laughs> uh, when they're not quite as evocative or quite as like, as brilliant. But I thought it was interesting that when Jordan Peele was talking about the ending for yeah. Get Out, that, I mean, obviously there's like that bait and switch in the ending, right? With like the, the cop car shows up and then it turns yeah. to just be like the, the TSA car that like yep. the, the friend is driving <laughs> and he's like, come there to pick him up. Yeah. But so, like, they were talking about how, you know, originally he was going to just have him, like, arrested, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that right? Or did it, it, it was either, yeah. Yeah. Well, either shot or arrested, yeah. Shot but or arrested, right. And then basically, you know, um, this is uh, in, like, the first emergence of Black Lives Matter. And uh, and he's, like, seeing all this stuff and it's just like, okay, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. Like, can we just have one movie where there's like a win? Like, even if yeah. it's not like realistic or whatever, can we just have like one movie where like this black protagonist doesn't get killed or go to jail? Um, so then he does that really amazing like switch out at the end. And it's just yeah. like, 
like that movie is so effective. I feel like because it, it does get you so on board with this character and like um, the one someone else, like one of the commentators is like talking about how she's like in the theater seeing it and seeing like these, you know, white moviegoers next to her, like, you know, cheering him on. And like that, when he's like, when you see that cop car pull up at the end of the movie, when he's like bloody and just like dragging himself down the street, it's like such a gut punch. And then the friend just gets out and it's just like, hell yes. Like he gets out that fucking rules. That's like good as hell. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really glad that they touch upon it. Cause I remember like a year after this movie came out, obviously uh, Trump became president and all that stuff. Like, yeah. I remember thinking that the timing on this movie was immaculate. Yeah. Like just that it came out between Obama and Trump and um, when like what that meant, because like once once Trump was president, I think things got uh, a bit too real for a lot of people. Sure. You know, like I don't I don't this was before like obviously things have been bad. They've been bad. They were, you know, uh, between Ferguson um, and all that other stuff like it's been bad, but it reached, you know, a completely different level once Trump became president. And I think that, you know, having this particularly for, you know, the, the white audiences that go, uh, that go see it, uh, kind of like woke them up a bit, uh, before things, you know, uh, hit the fan because I remember going to see this movie. Um, and obviously as someone in an interracial relationship, like the black man in the white suburban neighborhood, like immediately, like I was like, Oh boy, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Obviously not everyone gets that, but, uh, you know, I saw this in Orange County. Um, and sure. I remember going to see the movie and so much of the first half, there were so many white people in the audience that were like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like racism in this day <laughs> yeah. and age. Like I can't, how could people be like, they were literally talking about like how they can't believe there are still racists and yeah. just th the timing of this movie and, and having people, you know, obviously black lives matter already existed um but you know it was like just kind of starting to take off i think it definitely prepared a lot of people who saw it for what you know what happened in the years after uh when i uh, i remember when i i first saw blackout at a press screening in new york um you know i think it was like the first press screening they had in new york for for get out and, and i remember and it's something they don't touch upon as much uh but i remember going to it and then after it, I was in the lobby and I was talking to some people and I was overhearing and people, I guess people don't get that uh, the white people in the movie are not like the super redneck conservatives that we like typically associate as the racist, right. but they're like the super like pandering, like the ones that you said, John, like, oh, I can't believe, you know, racism doesn't exist. <laughs> I would have voted for Obama, you know, twice. Uh, like, yeah, I am, for a third I'm super term. Yeah. I'm super I'm super down with the movement and, and it doesn't understand that you can still be racist. You can still be insensitive, even if you're like, quote unquote, I hate using this word woke uh, to like really uh, it's such an interesting like angle that he decided to do that. And I think that's what makes it such a memorable uh, horror movie, because up until then, like when it comes to racists, they're typically either like uber Republican conservatives or, or like just racist red. You mean in, that, film, in that right? Sentence. The way it's they're cartoon characters. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. cartoon characters. Exactly. They're they're clown shoes. They're they're just nonsense. And like people forget, like even like on the East Coast and the West Coast, like the quote unquote intellectuals, like you could still be like racist. You could still not understand the privilege you have and, and the perception you give off uh, to uh, people of color or African Americans. And I, it's such an interesting. Uh, 
direction and how I don't think a lot of people got that when the first, when the movie first came out and maybe still don't get maybe more now because it's talked a lot now, but that's always been like probably the most interesting aspect to me as a, as a white dude can be for, for watching this movie. Yeah. I it's also very wanna, much. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dylan. Oh, I was going to say, I also want to give it credit just because like, again, as someone in, in, in as a white person in the interracial, in, Jesus, in an in interracial relationship, um, like, uh, I forgot the actress's name, uh, but uh, his his girlfriend, uh, um, the, like Allison, Allison something for sure. <laughs> Let me from look girls, it up. From girls, uh, the daughter of the newsman, Allison, Allison Williams. Williams. Yeah, Williams. Yes. there we go. Yeah, yeah, she does a, a really good job of like, and and credit to uh, Jordan Peele for directing. You know, having that character uh, cast in this way, just like of selling the like embarrassment and the hesitancy of introducing your relatively conservative family uh, to your significant other. Like yeah. mm. I going into that, I was like, God, I know exactly how, how she feels. I know exactly how he's feeling. Like I, like I feel like I was particularly susceptible to identifying with uh, that whole power dynamic, you know, before they, they, you know, they twist it and that she's not a good person, but like, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. that part is is incredible. Oh, it's, it's, oh, it's so yeah. When you see her going through the photos, it's just like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She does. I, she does. She does a very good job of of selling that feeling, and I, I think I was particularly susceptible to like identifying with that. So, like, obviously, I knew she would probably be bad, but like, I was mm-hmm. really, really hoping that it was just one of those situations where it was just like, oh, my family really sucks. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and it's very, it, you know, not to not to belabor the point, of course, but like. It that whole family probably don't think that they're racist at all. Like they think no, they're woke white people. Like they think they. I think they genuinely believe their bullshit about. Oh, I'd vote for Obama a third time. The fucking dad ass, you know, white dad. We all know comment. people like that too. Yeah, we I all mean, know people exactly like. That. I don't even know that it's like no people like that. Like I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where like that's probably a lot of my family, and they think they're very well meaning. Obviously, my family is not kidnapping black people. And, and taking their bodies. I'm not trying to say that, but like that's a lot of white middle class people who genuinely think that they are not racist. It's because they they think they've done enough. They think they've done the work. They think we lived in this post racial society and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera solved, everybody. And that it's not racist to talk about what a, a, a black person's body would do in MMA. And it's not racist to to say things like, oh, I vote for Obama a third time and, and all the kind of bullshit things that like that that I feel like okay that's that's a lot of what you're supposed to take from this as a white person. This movie is not made for me, and it shouldn't be made for me. It should be made uh, for folks of color who can like genuinely can identify with a lot of this. But the parts that I think are important for white folks to take out of it are like oh oh yeah like this this is us this this shittiness is us. And uh, as much as we may like to think that it's not, it's, it's there. It is. I I, I almost wish that. So this movie came out in 2019. I almost wish that there was like that they could put out another segment on us on Jordan Peele's second movie, because I think it goes in super, super, super deep on a lot of that, on a lot of the aspects, especially with like the white family who think they're woke again um, in that movie, like and how much like there is a disparity even between like people who make the same amount of money, the black family and the white family are like definitely both middle-class in that movie. And like what exists between them and the kind of bullshit that the, that the white folks in that movie do as well. Um, which is 
at least I see it as a continuation of a lot of the themes in that aspect, like the family aspects and the family dynamics from Get Out. Just pretty, pretty rad. What a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't obviously uh, Get Out happens not too, too, too far from horror noir happening. Uh, so it, that's that's more or less uh, getting towards the end there. Um, sorry, One. I feel like I talked about some movies that I definitely want to see. Uh, after after watching this, uh, but uh, Dylan, I don't think we heard anything from you. If if there were movies that you like, super need to see now that you've seen horror noir and like have that little fire lit up. Uh, I think more than anything, I, I don't think I ever saw the Candyman sequels. Oh sure, and sure. they, they yeah. do a lot of talking about how the sequels are actually pretty good, even though people generally stop after the first one. Sure. So I definitely <laughs> want to go back and see that and get some more context. That whole, uh, as you said, anything that's like rooted in uh oh, what's the word uh like urban horror urban legend yeah anything yeah, rooted yeah, in urban, urban legend stuff, is yeah. usually usually yeah. terrifying so i'm learning more about that as obviously something i look forward to doing and i'll probably end up seeing black hill at some point too just because uh, yeah definitely i feel like that uh, we should do like a, a f- <laughs> like a fan bite family viewing of blackula like as as just you know, for fun or something. God, so many. And we haven't even talked about all the movies that they mentioned, like, because there's so many. Yes. Um, but like, like, yeah, y- you could, there's a lot of reasons to watch this. I think like, even just like the amount of recommendations you get in like that tight 80 minutes is like so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, we talked about some of the movies I've added to my list after watching this, but um, yeah. some we didn't talk about are Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> Yes, which oh my is, god, uh, it's true. Eddie Murphy as a vampire. <laughs> yes. Uh directed by Wes Craven, which is like a comedy horror kind of thing. Um and Eddie Murphy like on the cover looks so fucking cool. Yes. <laughs> uh The People Under the Stairs, which I haven't seen, mm, which is yes. like a 90s uh horror movie kind of about like gentrification and like landlords and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the Serpent um, and the Rainbow? What was the one with that the little girl? Wild. Uh, the girl with all the gifts. Yeah, I have not seen that. That was, that, only, that was 2016. That sounds really That's good a, too. It's very good. It's a very good movie. It, the girl with all the gifts is a very unique zombie movie in the way that kind of I guess if you played the last one, it's not as much. It's very much like the spores are kind of like mm. infecting them. But the way uh, the kind of story of the girl and the scientist she travels with in the in the military is. And, and it takes a lot of very interesting turns, especially near the third the, the third act, and it's definitely worth seeing. But I did want to kind of make mention that one movie they kind of talk about but brush over, but I think needs a little more love is The Purge, as, as oh, weird as that yes. might sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I okay. agree. Yeah. So, so the first Purge movie is really bad. It's really, really bad. Wait, it's wait, a bad wait. movie. The movie just that, The Purge or the movie called The First Purge? the The movie called The Purge, uh-huh. the original, the original entry in the Purge series, is just a really bad movie uh-huh. that takes a really cool premise and just derails it. But it, the Purge <laughs> movies are one of those rare horror movies that get better as they go along because the the directors lean more into the social commentary behind the Purge, and you get a little bit of it in the second one, and then mm-hmm. the first Purge is where they like go full into it. Um, a lot of it is due to so the first purge is obviously about the first purge, and it's set uh, on, I believe it's Staten it's Island. Staten Island, yeah. Uh, and it, it's uh, about uh, they're they're testing on stat low income people 
to see if you know if if this you know all crime thing would make them better citizens which just has so many layers just to begin with they just want people really to die when they, they, they sort they re- of lie about it and saying like oh well, this like will be a great social experiment they just they just want to decimate uh the sort yeah. of homeless or not homeless then, the low-income population and homeless and then population they, they kind of yeah. the, the really interesting part about the purge is like they realize like halfway through like oh shit like these people aren't going to kill each other like the, I thought all the people of color were like black or like criminals and rapists and awful people. Like what's happening? So they end up sending like the KKK and like biker gangs and and Matt like to to act as fake Staten Island citizens yep. to just like murder people. And it's I think the purge for all the goofy dumb shit it does, and it does a lot of dumb goofy <laughs> shit in sure. it. Uh, I think it's a really like smart like kind of social commentary, not just on. Uh, black culture and people of color and their kind of like view in society and by the government, but just income inequality and kind of like how capitalism like runs rampant and destroys these communities, uh, which is like the sheer just overwhelming force and disadvantages it offers to a lot of those people. That's, yeah, I, that's we so watched, funny to me that like yeah. <laughs> this series that started as like, what if all crimes were legal? Has, like then was like, oh, what if we actually like, talked about like oh but now it's like socially conscious or something it's the wild wild. thing about the perch so at waypoint we did a a full series we watched every one of them and like did a podcast on every one of the perch movies and i actually think i don't know that the quality just like goes up in a straight line i think it goes up and down (laughs) a few times but Like the the arc of it is really great, and like the first purge, I actually think I, I agree with you, Colin. I think it's like actually a really good movie. Like it it actually has some pretty cool messages, and they touch on some of it a tiny, tiny bit in Hornwar for sure. But the first one is actually not like a dog shit movie. I think it's like no, I think it's awful. I know, I know, but I actually do think there's there's some good stuff in it about like more than anything. Again, like shitty white middle manager. Uh, kind of family like it, it started as like an NR like an anti NRA kind of thing because it's the founding fathers of America who are basically the NRA is like the political party that takes over and now makes the purge the purge. There's some things in the performances because what happens is there is a a black dude uh, I believe he's he's coded to be like a veteran like a homeless veteran uh, who comes to the house of this white family that Ethan Hawke is the dad and there's two kids. Um, and he goes there for refuge. And of course, he's, a being, bunch of white he's being purged them. by this like absolute piece of shit, like rich uh, white gang who want to kill people. And they're like, it's our right to purge. The, he's our he's our target. Like we want to we want to purge him. And like the shitty like white middle manager guy like ties up the dude and is like, well, you know, our family is at risk. And, and it's this whole thing about like just being crappy and kind of turning on your neighbor and like there there are things of merit in that movie i think uh uh speaking especially about like racial justice and about like being neighborly basically um but yeah it's it's a fucking wild series it's even got a tv series like the first season is like it doesn't it's not as good as the movies in terms of like really diving into the themes it's more about like the spectacle of the purge which i always feel like is the least it's the least interesting part by far is like is they I feel like every purge movie they try to go over the top like what if these people had a guillotine or yes. <laughs> what if, what if these yeah. people like drove around to Miley Cyrus music and it's just it gets progressively weak I think it kind of buries 
uh, a lot of the, the yeah. kind of racial coding and a lot of the, the, the in more interesting themes in the TV show. But I definitely like if you haven't seen like if you've given up on the purge like after the first one or you just it seems like a really dumb movie series like honestly like give it a chance like it's it's not a straight line of quality but it is like much it is a good like it's a generally solid horror series i don't even know if i'd call the last two horror they're more like escape to new york in terms of like kind of violence yeah Yeah. the one about in that's in dc i'll just say this briefly i forget if it's the second or the third one sorry i had to watch all of them like in a row um, but actually has like it's about like black business owners like uh, like, you know, having their own like neighborhoods and having their own security. And like there's a, a like uh, an ambulance full of black folks who are out on purge night, like saving people. There's like just a lot of imagery that's very uh, it's not subtle by any fucking means, but there's a lot kind of going on under the surface that is more interesting than it might look uh, at first glance. So. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the purge moment um, here. I just like brought me back to like you know a year and a half ago when I watched all of them like in a row and uh, had to have thoughts on them for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, that ties directly into something we've already said. But it's my my only takeaway that's that's not like wholly positive is that I want so much more of this. I want I want horror noir for everything. I want to hear what these folks think about basically every movie. There's a just a wonderful array, honestly, of, of uh, black critics, filmmakers, performers, uh, just like giving fucking awesome thoughts on this and entire it's history. Right it's it's a wonderful movie and I want so much more of it. I want so, so much more of this uh, for sure. Uh, any other kind of closing thoughts? Sorry, I guess we're over an hour here and I, I feel like, again, I could go on for another hour, but I probably shouldn't, so yeah. No, I'm, I, 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 I got my purge rant out. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have purged your purge rant, and it's, it's exactly. very good, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Mary and Dylan, do you have any other any other thoughts on this movie, and how many more uh, horror noirs we could have, possibly? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, there are other movies too that are on my list now. Yeah, please go for it. Uh, yeah, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, Eve's Bayou. Oh, uh, totally. Yes. That one looked def- fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Death by Temptation also. Oh, Kind nice. of like a, a more of a comedy thing, I think. Sure, but, uh, sure. That also looked like very cool. Um, wait, was Death by Temptation a trauma movie? Oh, my God. It might have been. <laughs> Damn. Also, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, nice. Samuel Jackson is in Death by Temptation, apparently. Did not know that. I, I'm um, fascinated by all the sort of uh, that one kind of goes along with Abby to me in the like supernatural like woman either possessed or is like a, some sort of succubus or something like, you know, wanting to eat men like the whole idea of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, black women's sexuality being in a horror movie is, is just that's, that's there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot to go. Yeah. With that. yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It was a. Great documentary, and yeah. I got like a dozen films that I that I want to watch now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I you should, if you care at all about like the history of horror or like even just the history of film, yeah, I think you owe it to yourself to watch this movie. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's fucking awesome, and uh, I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad it's uh, 
It was actually, to be honest, one of Shudder's first big exclusive documentaries. Maybe yeah. the first of Shudder's uh, big exclusive documentaries. Is there the the next one they just released is yeah. Scream Queen, the one about Nightmare oh Two? Oh my god, yeah, which is how great. Inadvertently gay, oh. how inadvertently gay it is, and it's amazing. Yes, and yeah. like, but how you know how it, that movie became like this kind of like gay film, but the actual actor who was gay was basically run out of Hollywood for yeah. it. And yep. it, yeah. it's like horrible. That movie like made me cry. Danielle and I watched it yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. And uh, also very good. Yeah. Shutter is like probably my favorite streaming service right now. Same. Hard same. Yeah. <laughs> Just there's, there's a lot of really great stuff there that you can't necessarily see anywhere else. And uh, yeah, I, I, they had some, at least uh, pretty decent statements, of course, on uh, Black Lives Matter and made this freely available because of that. They actually put, I believe, uh, several other of the movies from this documentary on their streaming service as well. I know Blackula is like up on the top there now, uh, yeah. uh, partially because of horror noir and uh, making uh, horror noir. Sorry, I apologize. It's just hard for me to say that term because of my accent, but I, I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of uh, the name of the film. I'm just, Horror my noir. accent sucks. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, my Rhode Island accent wants me to go uh, hot Renoir, Renoir and it sucks and I don't want, again, I don't want to <laughs> well, like be flippant. I'm not making fun it? of it. No, I mean, it's isn't just it like my Rachel accent. True in the movie who's just like, oh, I never say like horror. I just say like right. horror. Horror. Like, yeah. so that's the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like that. I just don't want to be like this fucking white girl who's like sounds like she's making fun of the name of the movie. I don't. I don't think you're making do that. Fun. I think okay. people understand yeah. that you can't help the fact that you're from Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I can't. I can't help that part. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I have to like very consciously be like R's. Go for the R's. You can do it. You can do it, Horror. buddy. R's. Horror. Noir. Uh, really, really great. Uh, thank you all for chatting about uh, about this with me because it's, it's been something I've enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, Dylan, did you have any any uh, final thoughts here? I know you, there was some activity going on in your house, which yeah. is okay. If, uh, yeah. Um, I, I definitely, uh, it's it's just one, one takeaway I guess yeah, I had please. from it uh, is definitely to see it's it's helpful to see where all those harmful stereotypes come from because I bet most white people yeah. are aware of all the stereotypes, but they probably aren't aware of where they come from or when they you know started being a thing. Um, and you'll also probably discover that the most overplayed things are less true, and the least overplayed things are the most true. So, like as far mm -hmm. as like uh, are are how prominent they were, like how how bad they were. Yeah. Um. So I think it's definitely good to get some context on that. Um. Yeah. And I definitely. Uh, if you're a fan of Get Out, definitely watch it because uh, Jordan Peele is pretty has been pretty tight-lipped about talking about that film up until this mm -hmm. point. Sure. Because uh, yeah. when it came out for like the first year, year and a half, he basically said nothing and let it speak for itself. So if you want more context, definitely watch it. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And Dylan, where can we find you online? Uh, on Twitter at Skiffington underscore. Awesome, Colin. Where can we find you online? Uh, at on Twitter at beguiled gamer. Awesome, uh, Merritt. How about you? Um, I'm at Merritt K. Fabulous, and I am at Danielle R I. If you have any uh, desire to listen to me and how often I talk about documentaries, <laughs> so uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, that's about all we have for this week. Uh, and please do uh, go check this out on Shutter. It is free right now. 
uh, and it's awesome. Uh, we hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Be sure to rate and review our podcast if you get a chance to do that. Uh, this is a new feed. It is the You Love to See It feed. Uh, and it's also primarily for this show and also uh, Merit's anime podcast with Eric Thurm. And also our occasional You Love to Scream It uh, redo, like slightly more niche uh, horror, like Possession and Belzebeth, which are both also good. Uh, so go ahead and check those out. Uh, you can search for uh, You Love to See It on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spotify, all the places you get podcasts. And you can follow us on uh, at Fanbyte Media on Twitter, on Instagram at Fanbyte, on TikTok at Fanbyte and read everything that we do on fanbite.com. Uh, thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for watching this with me. And I guess I will end with, uh, you love to see it. Bye. Bye. Bye.